Let's go to the Lord in prayer if we could. Uh, Les, if you would, pray for us, please, or pray for me. Lord Jesus, uh, I just pray right now that you would uh, help us to take in the nutrition of your word. Help it to help us to grow. And I pray that the technology that's being difficult would settle down so everyone can hear it and enjoy it, and Bob can enjoy delivering it. Thank you for each person that's here, and we thank you for Rose's Church on the West Coast, and for those who couldn't make it this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9, beginning at verse 24. We did 24 and 25. Uh, last week, but I want to do a little recap, a little follow-up, a little three-page review, introduction, whatever you call it. Uh, Daniel is in his mid-80s, we think, uh, still going strong, still working for a king. I I have in my notes here, this is his fourth king. It's not really true. There were three little itty-bitty kings in between, uh, I believe it was uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar, but most of them didn't last too long. Uh, I think one was killed and one went crazy. Anyway, the, the three in the middle really don't matter, but he worked for three major kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus, Cyrus the Great, that we call. And he'd understood, we went over this last week, that from reading the prophet Jeremiah, that the captivity uh, as prophesied was almost over. Jeremiah prophesied 70 years. It's been 69 years. Daniel being a literalist and not like uh, some modern theologians today taking the Bible at its word, he realized it was all almost over. And for reasons that I don't understand, because I don't understand the spiritual realm, which we're actually going to get into next week, Lord willing, uh, because I don't understand the spiritual realm, the battles that go on, he decided to begin to fast and pray. And you think to yourself, well, now wait a minute, if it's prophesied, isn't it going to happen? And apparently in Daniel's mind, even though it's prophesied, we still need to pray for it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I think, well, God's kingdom is going to come and his will is going to be done no matter what I say. And yet Jesus tells us to pray for these things and that's what Daniel was doing. Now, no doubt, uh, as he was uh, fasting and praying, he was wondering about the future for the people of Israel and for his nation. And Gabriel is sent by God. We call this Daniel's prophecy. It's not even Gabriel's prophecy. This is a message sent from God to Daniel through Gabriel. So this is God's prophecy. This is what God planned. And Gabriel told Daniel that uh, Israel has been granted 490 years. Let me see what happens when I change this. And the purpose of the 490 years is to accomplish everything that God intends for, I put them in my notes, it might be for all of us. I think probably for us would be a better way to say it, you know. And this is the promise, it's on the screen, right? Yeah. I hope it's out there in Zoomland too. Uh, you got Zoomland on, good, good. I tried it up here, but I got such feedback, I couldn't get it to stop doing it. You know, and then my battery on my, my telephone just goes... <laughs> Anyhow, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Now, we spent some time last week saying a week is a week of years. So it's 77s. 77s are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city. Now, look at this list. We went over it last week carefully. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, when you go through that carefully, you'll realize, as we did last week, 
A couple of those things might have been accomplished through the cross, but a lot of that stuff is left to go. We have not anointed Jesus as the king of the universe yet. We have not finished, or he has not finished, the prophecy. There's prophecies that are still future. Now let me pause and tell you, you can stand in churches and hear preachers preach that will say all the prophecies of the Bible have been fulfilled already. And they're called preterists. They believe it's all been accomplished. And we're living in, I don't know, one of them, I said, are we in the millennium? He said, yeah. And another one says, I said, are we in eternity future? He said, no, I don't think so, not yet. Is the tribulation future? We're in the tribulation. And I'm thinking, well, it's just so confusing to me. I just get all, all balled up. But, but I, I didn't know there were that many preterists out there, but apparently there are. Life as we currently know it, however, will be over when we get to the point where it says, seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the whole, most holy and the one before those two to bring in everlasting righteousness. In my mind, if you bring in everlasting righteousness, you're past the millennium because there's still sin in the millennium. You're actually in eternity future. So there's things in this verse 24 that have not been fulfilled yet. Now, if you'll notice in the next verse, uh, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment, now let me stop. You'll notice here when you do the math on this verse, not 24, 24, 70 weeks, right? 490 years. But when you do the math on verse 25, it's only 483 years and seven years are missing. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment, when they were first told they could return to the restored build Jerusalem to the Messiah, the Prince from the time Daniel's people are told they can return until the Messiah comes will be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. Now, a lot of people argue about what that first seven weeks is about 49 years, but it seems to me it tells you that the street will be built in the wall in troublous times. I have no reason to believe that's what's going on that first 49 years. Now, maybe I'm wrong. We don't know. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about all of these prophecies, as you can imagine. But it's only 69 weeks, 483 years, 7 plus 60 plus 2, total 69 weeks. The first seven weeks to rebuild the streets in the wall. Do I have that? No, I don't have that. Okay. The first seven weeks are to rebuild the streets in the wall. The uh, three score and two are 62 weeks to wait until the Messiah comes. And as, as we went over it last week, there are those, and I'm amongst them, that believe that Jesus presented himself on the very day that that 483 years was completed. I mean, to the day. Uh, Total of 69 weeks or 483 years. One week is still missing. And of course, that's the purpose of our study today. We're going to look at that 70th week, the last week of Daniel's prophecy, which is covered in verse 27. However, in between verse 25 and verse 27 is verse 26. Now, I know that's mathematically difficult to follow, but it's true. And there's something that goes on between the arrival of the Messiah and the arrival of eternity of uh, the last week. And, and that's what we call us, right? That's us. What's between verse 25 and 27 is the church age. There's a gap there. And uh, people that don't see that, they just don't, they just can't see it. So let me get up to the next slide here. And... Uh, it says, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Uh, colon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course, there's no punctuation in the Hebrew. Uh, they didn't even write correctly. They wrote from right to left instead of left to right. 
but uh, the King James saw a reason, and I don't know why, to put a coal in there, but I'm glad they did. Uh, and uh, then it reads, that's the first gap, see? Messiah will be cut off and not for himself. And the people of the Prince of Shell come to destroy the city and destroy the city and the sanctuary, semicolon. So it's a colon, that means there's a list following, and then there's a semicolon. It seems to me it should be a comma, but there's a semicolon saying there's two things in this list. The first thing that happens after the Messiah comes is the prince that shall come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And then the next thing, that there's a gap between it, see? The next thing is the end thereof shall be with a flood, and to the end of the final war, desolations are determined, period. And then we get to the next verse, and he shall confirm the covenant with the many for one week. You see, there's, there is in this verse this gap, you know, Actually, two gaps. Roman the Messiah is executed, but not for himself. That's it. We know that's A.D. 32. So we have the advantage of, of studying these scriptures with history to compare it to. Okay, Gabriel, or actually God told Daniel that this is going to happen. Now we have the advantage of history looking back and say, yeah, Jesus was crucified in 32 A.D. We know that. And we know that Titus Vespasian came and destroyed the city in 70 A.D. So we know that between in that first gap between the but not for himself, cut off, killed, executed, not for himself. He was killed. He was executed for a capital crime. That's what the word means, but not for himself. In between that, A.D. 32, and the people of the prince that shall come, that's the Roman army, uh, when they came, um, that's A.D. 70. So we know there's a gap of 38 years between them. We're aware of that, you know. And then there's this other gap. And in, it says, and in the end thereof, there shall be with a flood. Well, we know we're not at the end because the end hasn't happened. So we know there's a gap going on. And we know from AD 70 until now has been not quite 2,000 years. So we're in a 2,000-year gap, which is a mystery in the Old Testament, and that's the church. The church is a mystery in the Old Testament. It's revealed in the New Testament and the whole church age. And then we're when we are taken out, 2 Thessalonians, when, when he that restraineth is taken out, when we're removed, the Holy Spirit and us go out of here, it'll be Israel's last year. It won't be a good time for Israel, but it'll be a time where millions of Jews will be saved. When my prayer, I should have prayed for Israel because it's not a good time for Israel right now. And you wonder, you wonder what's going on. You really do. So there are two phrases here that I want to spend a little time on, if you don't mind. Uh, and that's at the end, that's after gap number two, the end thereof. That means from the time of Titus Vespasian until the end. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, I think, wait a minute, what war is he talking about? I think he's talking about the war between God and Satan. It has actually been a constant war in our world between us, humans, ever since. I mean, it seems like we've been killing each other ever since the Garden of Eden. If you ever look up a history of all the wars of the world and their dates, it's a continuous list. It's really sad. We can't find a better way to solve our problems than to kill our young people. But I don't think that's the war he's talking about here. It may be. I don't really know. This phrase, when you get to it, let me pull up one more. The end there, then shall be with the end thereof, isn't it? Did I read it wrong? And the end, da, 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 da. and the end thereof. Look at that. I copied it wrong. The end thereof shall be with a flood. The end thereof. Until the end, it'll be a flood. Now that word is shetef in the Hebrew, and it just means a deluge. 
or an overflowing or a flood. You think, well, why are you talking about that? Well, David used the same word. Do I have it? I do. Yeah, good. It's on the screen for you. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. Same word. In fact, you look up this word. Do I have the note here? It occurs six times in the Old Testament. And every time it's not talking about a flood. It's talking about God's judgment. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. Now David is prophesying in Psalm 90 verse 5. Oh, that might be Moses prophesying actually. 90th Psalm I think is Moses. They are asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. So this word flood is the outpouring of God's anger on Israel, God's people, for failing to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, there is only one unpardonable sin, and that's failing to recognize that Jesus is God's answer to our sin problem. See, that's, that's the thing. You, you could do all the righteousness in the world. It won't get you into heaven. You could do all the good works in the world. You could never do anything wrong in your whole life. And still, you wouldn't make heaven as long as you reject that Jesus is God's solution for our sin problem. He's going to talk about that in just a minute. So this word flood is the outpouring of God's anger. Let's see what my next one says. And to the end of the war, I, I'm guessing that means a war in heaven, but I really don't know. And to the end of the war, desolations are determined. I didn't copy the Hebrew word for you. Well, you're probably better off with that. Shalmaim. Shalmaim is the word for desolations. It means to stun. Look at the history of Israel ever since A.D. 70. I don't know if you've ever done that. Years ago, I was watching a TV show where they did a, like a PBS special on the history of Israel. And it talked about how they've been treated in all the nations of the diaspora where they were sent out into all the world. And you know, it's remarkable how badly they've had it. And the word to stun is certainly appropriate. It means to devastate or make amazed, to be astonished, to make desolate, destitute, or to destroy. They no sooner get settled down in France than the French got mad at them and stole all their money and kicked them out. And they went to Spain and the Spanish got mad at them and and they, they decided to, to do an inquisition and then they went to, uh, you know, they, they went to every country in the world uh, until Hitler came along. Hitler had the final solution. He was going to wipe them off the face of the earth. He was going to cease Israel's existence forever. Why would he want to do that? Because Jesus isn't going to return until they invite him. That's what Jesus said. You will not see me henceforth until ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In other words, Jesus ain't coming back until Israel invites him. So what God is going to do is bring the pressure down on Israel till they finally wake up and realize, my God, Jesus was the Messiah and we rejected him. They need to repent of their sins. We've been through this in Revelation. And then they need to invite him to come back. He's not coming back until they invite him, see? So that's what's happening here. And until the end, desolations are determined. Now, it's interesting, and I hope it's relevant. I'm not positive it's relevant. Do I have it here? Oh, I do. Good. Let me see. Uh, I, uh, I spent so much time writing the, the, this part of it that this morning I threw this, this PowerPoint together just, just in case we could, I could get the projector and the audio system to work. Uh, and it seems to be the solution is to separate the audio from the video, you know, put it in two separate units. Uh, this is Isaiah. What do I have in front of you? Do I need, therefore saith the Lord, I lay in Zion, 
Yeah, I think I've gone one too far. Let me back. I'm not sure I know how to back up here. Let me back up here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Isaiah 28:15. If you're taking notes, I, I this is where that word appears: desolations. So I want to every every instance where the word appears in the Old Testament, you look at every instance where that word appears in the Old Testament, and from the context of its use in the Old Testament, you determine its definition. That's why I'm doing this. What does it mean, desolations? Well, you go back to the Old Testament, you look at every use of it. Well, I got to Isaiah 28:15. This is so easy with a computer. You should have done this back in the days when you need four Bibles laid out in front of you and you're on this big desk and you're trying to find all these things. You get these commentators and think, oh, this is horrible. And then you go to reach for your coffee and the book flops shut and you think, oh, no, I've lost my place. And you got to look it all back up again. And now you just go click and it's all right there. It's just remarkable what the Bible's done for Bible study. I mean, what the computer's done for Bible study. So this is Isaiah 28, 15. This, this I believe, it appears to be at least... In my mind, and a few of the commentators I looked at, uh, Isaiah is prophesying about this time when they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end, they're going to make a contract with the devil, thinking that through him, through this covenant with Satan, that he's going to keep them safe through the tribulation period. All right, so this is the lie that we're going to talk about. Because ye have said we've made a covenant with death. Now, the funny thing about this is they tried to make a similar deal with Egypt and it didn't work. They tried to make a similar deal with Assyria and it didn't work. They tried to make a similar deal with Babylon and it didn't work. Well, it was working for a while till they stopped paying their taxes. They've tried to make this kind of a deal with every devil, every... every uh, beast of a nation that comes along and they're going to do that at the end so whether isaiah is talking about assyria or babylon or egypt or the revived roman empire i don't know but it seems to apply so completely here where this word appears in prophecy because you have said we've made a covenant with death and with hell are we at agreement when the overflowing scourge shall pass through now <laughs> that could be the carrying away into babylon but it could also be the tribulation period, the overflowing scourge, the same word or as the flood. It shall not come unto us. We won't be hurt. We've got to deal with Antichrist. We're going to be safe. We're going to be fine. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, get out of town. Get out of town when you see that. And you know what I meant... I want to take some time and talk about the authentication of an Old Testament prophet, but we, I don't have time now. But there have to be two fulfillments to the prophecies. So there are people that believe that when Rome came in and besieged the city, that fulfilled Jesus' prophecy, and it did, the first fulfillment of it. But there needs to be a close-in fulfillment and then a distant fulfillment, and the tribulation period is a distant fulfillment. Anyway, they made a deal with the devil to survive the tribulation. According to Isaiah, they made a deal with the devil to survive something. And then let me move on. Uh, that's the point. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth shall not make haste. Now, that's an odd, odd way of saying it, and of course... You know, Isaiah had an odd way of saying a lot of things. He was like the prince of preachers. But what it's saying is don't wait till the last minute to see Jesus. You know, hurry up. If you see these things coming on the land, make peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to survive. And that's through the foundation that Jesus, that God laid in the man Jesus Christ. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, 
be I lay in Zion a for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth shall not make haste. Your lies will not hide you from my judgment. And I still have that up? Yes. Judgment also will I lay to the line. And righteousness to the plummet. Line is a horizontal line. Plummet is a vertical line. You know, I'm going to measure you just like a builder measures a house. All right. And the hail shall sweep away the refuse, the refuge of your lies. You're going to hide in these lies, but hail is going to sweep it away. And the waters, there's that word for the flood, same word used in the prophecy of Daniel, shall overflow the, the hiding place, your hiding place. You think you're going to hide from this, but it's just not going to happen. And your covenant with death, you made a deal with the devil, it will be disannulled. I'm canceling your contract. And your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge, that's that word, desolations, shall pass through and ye shall be trodden down. Then. Now, you know, for 2,000 years, Israel has faced desolations and judgment. And yet it's going to be much worse in the tribulation period. They're going to get that last year. It's going to be much worse in this war against Israel. Eventually, every country where she made her comfortable turned against her. Her whole history has been one of rejection and abuse, but it will culminate in the worst persecution they have ever seen. Hitler will look like a Sunday school teacher by comparison. Why is that? Jesus said that in Luke chapter 19 and verse 43, because you did not recognize this day. This day. When Jesus sat on the hill on the uh, outside of uh, Jerusalem, on the road from Bethany to Jerusalem, when he sat down and wept over Jerusalem on, on what we call Palm Sunday, where he presented himself as the Messiah and they rejected him. When he said, your house has been left unto you desolate, when he walked out of the temple that final day, he was pronouncing judgment on Jerusalem that is going to last until now. That's the point. That's, we'll get to that. So let's get back to the review. God has given Israel 490 years to finish all his plans for them. The first 49 years, seven weeks rebuilding the streets and the walls. The next 434 years, just waiting until the Messiah comes and then is executed. You know, it's, it's amazing to think that Jews studied their Old Testament and saw this. They saw this. They actually have notes in their, in their studies where they talked about the fact that Israel is going to kill her Messiah. You know, and yet those scholars were pushed aside. They chose to believe the lies. Then there's the first gap of 38 years until the prince that shall come destroys Jerusalem and the survivors are driven out. And then there's the second gap of unknown duration. Jesus said, no man knows, not even me, only his father. The unknown duration. Now we've always made the statement, you know what? It, it's, the church age is going to last until the last Christian the last Christian comes to the Lord. The last member of the church is saved. But we don't know who that is and we don't know when that is. But if you're waiting to get saved, don't wait. You might be holding us up. And I'm ready to go. Boat's in the water. I don't care. I'm ready to go. I'm tired of this world. I'm ready to go. The second gap is on unknown duration. So far, it's been 2,000 years. But the history of Israel from then until even today has been a flood of desolations. Now, finally, that gap week, 26, now we get to verse 27 when we get up to that final week. And I've underlined everything that I wanted to talk about there. 
Yeah, that shows up pretty good. Do you like the black background with white better than what I've been doing with the light blue and the dark? Can you tell me one looks better than the other? You do? You can see it well? You know what I was trying to do is I was trying to get to where the camera would pick that up and I wouldn't have to do a screen share with power with the uh, zoom. But I couldn't get either of these two cameras to pick that up. Be interesting to see how that turns out. Can that can your can your uh what's that camera called? iPhone pick up the detail of the does it see the detail of the uh, presentation? So the people on Zoom could read it from your screen? Yeah, my eyes are always trying to find the focus. It doesn't help to have this thing here. You know. yeah. Anyway, back at verse 927, that's the last one and we're almost done. And he, boy, there are books written on the word he. Generally in English it refers to the nearest antecedent, which is the prince that shall come, and that's who I think it is. All right. Now, in the Greek, you can tell by the ending of, of the, the, the pronoun and the previous noun, if they're in agreement, that's who it's referring to. And that may be true in Hebrew, but I've been out of Hebrew for 40 years now, and I really don't remember. And I guess if it could be cleared up by, by studying the language, they wouldn't be arguing over who he is. They argue over who he is. You can hear whole sermons on who he is. But just for the sake of my lack of uh, study, let's say he is the prince that shall come. That seems to be who it refers to. But the prince that shall come has been dead for 2,000 years. Titus Vespasian has been gone. So this he is someone else who is like the one before it, but not the one before it. And it's a question of who he is. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. This is very mysterious writing. All right. But I believe he refers back to the prince that shall come. And it's referencing a he-like person who was perhaps there at the beginning in AD 70 and is going to be here again. And in my mind, it's really talking about Satan, the prince behind the prince that shall come, just as Ezekiel 28's prince of Tyre is really the satanic power behind the prince of Tyre. I think this is a reference to the satanic power behind Titus Vespasian and the one that we call, just for clarity, the Antichrist. He's actually the fourth beast uh, revived. All right. So he, and I'm going to say that's Antichrist, a Roman Antichrist connecting him to Titus Vespasian, empowered by Satan connecting him to Tower Titus Vespasian. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. You really do understand why Daniel goes to bed with a headache after a, a day like this, don't you? Uh, you really do. Uh, if, you, if you skip up a little bit to Revelation 13, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up. That's the he. That's really not the he. That's the, the visible he 
I think the power behind this he is the one was the power behind Titus Vespasian, and I think that's the he that we're talking to. I think we're talking about Satan, but I have no way to prove that. That's just what I think. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. We've been over all this, so you've got this all memorized, I know. And upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. Wait a minute, that's the Grecian Empire. And his feet were like the feet of a bear. Wait, that's the Medo-Persian Empire. And his mouth is the mouth of a lion. Wait a minute, that's Babylon, right? And it said it was a beast. Well, the beast is a Roman Empire. And the dragon gave him his power. There's a power behind it and his seat and great authority. It's quite possible that the covenant here that's mentioned here with this he is, well, we don't know what the covenant is. I mean, I used to say this, this is an agreement between between the, the coming Antichrist, just to use a name that we're familiar with, and the people of Israel. And, and what he's going to do is he's going to give them permission to rebuild their temple. But lately, when you see the word covenant, the covenant, the covenant of Israel is a promise for the land. And it's possible that when Antichrist rises to power, he's going to recognize Israel has a right to her land. That's, that's part of what the battle going on right now is. We've got 2,000 plus rockets going into Israel. And Israel's fighting for her right to her land. And it's entirely possible that this renewal of the covenant, he will confirm the covenant with the many for one week, uh, is a reference to Antichrist saying, Israel, this land is yours. Palestinians, get out. And he's going to allow them to rebuild their temple. I don't think he's going to remove the, the Dome of the Rock. I think the temple will be built north of the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount. But I'm no expert at this kind of thing. I think the promise of God, the covenant, is the promise of God that the land belongs to Israel. And it's likely a part of this agreement Israel is going to sign with the Antichrist. And they're going to think they are all right. They're going to think they're fine. So for three and a half years, they're going to think, hey, we're all right. We've got this deal with the devil. We're going to be all right. And then the devil's going to go in and sit down in the Holy of Holies and declare himself to be God. And Israel's going to know, uh-oh, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. This guy is not God. Now, Jesus warned this of them. He said, I come in my Father's name. This is John chapter 5. I've come in my Father's name and you receive me not, but another will come in his own name. And him you'll receive until he walks in and sits down in the Holy of Holies. They're going to say, yeah, this guy's wonderful. And then all of a sudden they're going to realize, no, maybe he's not so wonderful. Well, the prophecy is the covenant was made for one week. And in the midst of the week, I'm back in Daniel 9.27, in the middle of the week, at three and a half years, three and a half years into the what we call the tribulation. Jesus didn't call it that. Uh, the three and a half years of what we call the tribulation and then the beginning of the real tribulation what Jesus called the great tribulation he will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to seek now Jesus warned us of this in Matthew chapter 24 he said when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet there are people that say the abomination of desolation prophecy was fulfilled in Antiochus Epiphanes but Antiochus Epiphanes fulfilled his abomination, which he did do. That's your early fulfillment of the prophecy before Jesus was born. And now here's Jesus 300 years later saying, when ye shall see this abomination of desolation. Well, that wasn't it, see? It's the one that's coming. That's what Jesus is saying. He, he clears up these, these prophetic issues for us. 
Then let him with me in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which is on the house not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. He's talking to Israel. Why is he talking to Israel about the tribulation? Because we're not here. We're in heaven. That's why the promises are to Israel during this tribulation period, because it's our last year. We're not part of this. For then shall be great tribulation, the worst the world has ever seen, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. It's hard to factor in what happened in World War II and say it's going to be worse than that. It's hard to factor in. You know a hundred million people died in World War II? It's hard to imagine. It just boggles my mind. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. Wow. But for the chosen's sake, those days will be shortened. Now there is a promise of God's intervention to protect believing Israel during that second three and a half years, and if it wasn't for that, I'm telling you, uh, they wouldn't have had a chance. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Paul tells us that this Antichrist will enter the Holy of Holies. Do I have it there? Yes. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. He's talking about the rapture. I I listened to Chuck Messer uh, Thursday, I think, on this subject, and he was talking about how amazing it is that Paul the Apostle spent three weeks in Thessalonica. I'm getting tongue-tied. Three weeks. And he went over the whole prophetic future with them. Can you imagine? Isn't it enough to just go over the the, the gospel and the the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? But he said, by the coming of the Lord, I I should have gone back a little bit. But he taught them about it. He taught taught them about that in that three weeks that he had. Anyway, I beg you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus and by our gathering together unto him, that's the rapture, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor word. People are writing letters saying that the rapture had already happened in Paul's day. Nor by letter as if it were from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Well, you know, I always wonder, is this the falling away as the church peters out? You know, and that the man of sin is revealed. So there's a falling away. The man of sin is revealed, the son of permission, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship. And this is this is the reason we say he's going to declare himself God. So that he, that's Antichrist, as God, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you during that three little period? He must have talked them to death. I told you these things. I told you this. How could you not? How could you be thinking that the? How could you be thinking that the rapture is past? I've taught you all this stuff. Go back and look at your notes. This is the sign of the beginning of the great tribulation when Antichrist steps into the holy of holies and declares himself to be God. This is the sign of the coming of the great persecution. Titus didn't do this. There are those, the preterists will tell you that, that Titus's destruction of Jerusalem fulfilled all these prophecies. It didn't. Titus didn't want to destroy the temple. He didn't go into the temple. He didn't declare himself to be God. Titus wanted to save the temple, but he didn't 
But but God wouldn't let him save. It was accidentally, accidentally set on fire. You know how accidents happen with God. There was nothing left when they were done that he could go and declare himself to be God. It didn't happen. Has yet to happen. Antiochus Epiphanes didn't do this. Antichrist will. What do I have left for you? Even until the consummation, the conclusion of all things, when everything is fulfilled, and that determined, all that is decided upon would be poured out upon the desolate. That's Israel. We're talking about Israel here. Remember, this whole prophecy is about Israel. It's not about us. We're, we're a big parenthesis that's unmentioned in this, uh, the church age. This is the judgment of God. I don't often read you from commentaries, but Jamison Fawcett Brown had no idea that Israel would ever be back in the land because they wrote in 1871. These were three theologians. And I want to say they were at Oxford University, but I'm not sure I remember the biography that well. They wrote this in 1871 on account... Did I copy it for you? No, I didn't. No, I should have. Sorry. They wrote this. You'll have to just listen. On account of the abominations committed by the unholy people against the Holy One, it's talking about Israel against Jesus, he, should, he, that's God the Father, will not only destroy the city and the sanctuary, but will continue its desolation until the time of the consummation determined by God. That's hard to follow. I'm sorry I didn't put it up on the screen. I'll read it again. He, God the Father, shall not only destroy the city and the sanctuary, which he did through Titus Vespasian, but shall continue its desolation. Israel will continue to be desolate, not have a temple, until the time of the consummation, when everything is fulfilled, as determined by God, when at last the world power shall be judged and dominion be given to the saints of the Most High. It'd be fascinating to know what they what they would writ, had written now that Israel was in the land. You know, Hitler tried to destroy Israel. He tried to kill every Jew. And behind him was the force of Satan that was saying, if we kill every Jew, they can't ask for him to return. And if they can't ask for him to return, he's not coming back. We've got to wipe every Jew off the face of the earth. Jamison, Fawcett, and Brown could not have known that Germany would try to destroy Israel. But in her attempt to destroy Israel would only create the nation state of Israel. Israel came home because of Germany. Well, also because of us. We wouldn't let them in. It's amazing how many European nations wouldn't protect Israel from Germany. And I say that to our shame. But Germany's attempt to destroy Israel initiated their worldwide return to their homeland. And we know, look, this phrase that he does, now this isn't scripture, Brown, but he said, he shall not only destroy the city and the sanctuary, but continue its desolation until the time of the consummation, the return. Now they saw this. They didn't know it would happen. They, they didn't even believe Israel would return, but they knew someday they'd have to return. And they knew that the sign of the consummation, am I saying that word right? Yeah. The, the sign of the consummation is Israel's return to the Holy Land. That's the great gigantic, I want to say red flag, but I think Israel has a blue and a white flag. That's the gigantic flag with the Star of David on it. We're home. The consummation is ending. You see that? The time of destruction is coming to a close. That's exciting stuff. Israel's return marks a turning point in this prophecy of Daniel. And these guys saw this in 1871. So we're living now in the days the closing, the consummation 
the fulfillment of world history as God writes history. It's exciting. And that is determined by God until the consummation and that determined, God determined it. You know, you think, well, this vote didn't go so well and we don't have very good leadership right now. We might bring the end. Now, we're not going to bring the end on. God has determined when the end will be. God has determined how these things will fulfill out. What we need to do is rush to him and not rush away from him. That's the point. We need to cling fast onto the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to hold on tight. And God only knows, and only God knows. You can say that both ways. What's coming? We don't know what's coming. We just have to hold on and wait to see what's next. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together, for this opportunity to share in your scriptures. I thank you that it appears that we've made it through here buzz-free. Uh, that's sort of exciting. Let me stop the share and get my zoomies back. There we go. Hi, guys. Welcome back. <laughs> I couldn't see you before. And Lord, we just pray that you'd watch over each of us and keep us safe. Father, as we work our way through this pandemic, we pray that you keep this disease from us. We pray divine protection on all those that could be seriously, made seriously ill by this disease. And Lord, we just ask that you'd watch over us and keep us. And Lord, for those family members, those relatives of ours that are in harm's way, we just pray a special blessing on them. We pray for our soldiers and our sailors and our, our emergency workers and our police that you keep them safe in these difficult times. And we pray, Father, for the nation of Israel right now, undergoing constant barrage of rockets from Hamas, that you'll not only give them wisdom on how best to react, but you would protect them as well. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.